Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Confessions, Confessions of an Esthetician. I am Amber Moon, your host, and today we are talking about the sun and de-demonizing the sun, if that is indeed a word, and loving your sunblock. We're going to talk a lot about sunblock today. We will talk about why we use sunblock. From my perspective as an esthetician, I have a few things to say about that. Uh, What is sunblock? What are the different forms available out there? We'll touch on UVA versus UVB, waterproof, what does that mean, versus water resistant. And I will actually debunk some of the myths about SPF numbers, the most confusing part about sunblocks, in my opinion. We'll touch on why is the sun considered bad, and is it bad? How can we apply? Where do we apply our sunblock on our body? When do we apply? When to reapply? There's so many different messages out in the market. And what else you can do to help support your sunblock in the process? Different clothes and products as well. We'll touch on the ages that we can apply sunblock and what makes the most sense at different ages, um, including children and infants. And what I hear the most is that people hate sunblock. They don't like the smell. They don't like the way it feels. A lot of people have reactions to it. We will go over that later and some of the environmental impacts and also the impacts on our body. Some sunblocks are considered hormone disruptive. We'll touch on whether or not we can use expired sunblock, because that's a question I get quite often. And then I have an anecdote about sun protection and also a skin tip for getting the most out of your sunblock. So let's dive right in. Why do we use sunblock? You'll hear in a variety of arenas in the marketplace, in the media, that we do not need to use sunblock and that it is not good for our bodies. So this brings me a little bit to, is the sun bad? Because you'll get mixed messages, as I've gotten mixed messages. The message is, the sun is great and it's healing and there's a lot of beneficial pieces to the sun. However, stay away from it, use sunblock, cover yourself up, hide as much as you can from the sun. So which is it? Now, someone with a pay grade higher than mine can go into the nuances of this a little bit better. But what I will say from the perspective of someone who's been an esthetician and worked with the skin is that I don't believe that the sun is wholly bad. There are a lot of beneficial aspects to the sun and to being exposed to sunlight. It's very healing. However, from someone who sees skin all day, every day as an esthetician, and also in friends and family, anytime you see some kind of condition that needs to be treated because it's precancerous, actinic keratosis, some kind of skin ailment that needs to be mended with topical solutions or with surgeries, uh, Mohs surgeries uh, become more common. Anytime those pop up, it's always related to some area that's been exposed to the sun. So as I mentioned, I don't think that the sun is wholly bad. Now, how can these two ideas come together? It's it's healing or it's not healing. Actually, in my opinion, and this is where somebody with a larger pay grade than me that has access to case studies could jump in and say, it's more, in my opinion, the correlation between the sun and the other environmental stressors that we are exposed to on a regular basis. So 
the combination and the reaction with the sun and the toxins that we have in our body from pollution or from what we're eating, um, those, in my opinion, is why the sun is, gets the bad name. It is the scapegoat for all the other nonsense, but it is indeed part of that equation. So even though I don't feel that the sun is the full issue here, because it is part of the equation, I still say, yes, you should wear sunblock. Now, not all sunblocks are created equal. So let's talk a little bit about the differences out there because some of them can actually cause more harm than good. And if you hate your sunblock, you're never going to wear it. And there's a harm as well. So mineral versus chemical. Let's do high level review on what the two differences are. So mineral sunblocks are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. They sit on the skin like little mirrors and they reflect the light. They sit and they lock in like little puzzle pieces. They reflect the sun's rays, thereby protecting the skin. Chemical sunblocks, and the reason when you read a chemical sunblock, it will say on the back of the box, on the back of the bottle, please apply 30 minutes prior to sun exposure. The reason for that is because in order for the chemical sunblock to work, and these are chemicals such as oxybenzone, octiobenzone, uh, avobenzone, anything that's hard to read or pronounce, although I guess titanium dioxide is not that much easier, but any of these big ugly zones, any of those words are linked to that chemical component of a sunblock. The way they work is they have to take the time to absorb into the skin. So the sun's rays then hit the skin, that chemical sunblock that has absorbed will then absorb the rays of the sun, thereby protecting the skin from that particular ray. Now that molecule of sunblock will in this process die off and become rendered ineffective. And that's why you'll always hear you must reapply on a regular basis. And we'll touch on that later. So in this process, when the chemicals absorb those sun's rays in the skin, that chemical process is creates heat and can cause irritation. That's part of why you see more irritation with chemical sunblocks, is not just that the chemical ingredients are now absorbed into the skin, but in addition, it's that excess heat. So if I'm working on a skin that has hyperpigmentation or acne, and we're working hard to reduce that inflammatory condition in their skin, a hundred times out of a hundred, I'm going to say, you have to get off your chemical sunblock. Using a mineral block can keep the skin so much cooler and can cause less irritation. And part of it is because of that natural chemical process, the actual process by which the chemicals protect the skin, whereas minerals just reflect the light and that keeps the skin cooler in the grand scheme of things works a lot better. People tend to have fewer dermatitis responses. I see fewer rashes from mineral sunblocks. Now, if your mineral sunblock has a bunch of crap inactive ingredients, then you're probably getting a reaction from the crap ingredients. And that could happen with either chemical or mineral. But if you have clean ingredients that don't irritate your skin, in addition to mineral block, those tend to work great on all skin types, especially those types of skin that are working with some type of condition. Let's talk a little bit about the full spectrum. About 10 years ago, the FDA made a bunch of changes with sunblock, and one of them is that they are now requiring full spectrum sun protection to be listed. So in, in the past, 
a lot of sunblocks would just block UVB. We'll talk a little bit about the difference between UVB and UVA. You are looking for a sunblock that covers both UVA and UVB. UVA or UV quote unquote aging, that's how most people remember, is a long wavelength ray that comes from the sun. In that process of being a long wavelength, it will go deeper into the skin. So you won't necessarily see any kind of response on the skin when you're exposed to UVA, but it is absolutely something that affects your pigmentation and collagen and the way that your skin responds and it causes aging. That's why UVA is associated with UV quote unquote aging. UVB is UV quote unquote burning. So UV burning is something that we've always protected against with sunblocks because that's what you can actually see with your eyes or you can feel, hey, I got a sunburn. Whereas you wouldn't get that response from a UVA wavelength the UVB wavelength will let you know that it is uncomfortable, that it that there's been too much exposure to the sun. Those wavelengths, those UVB wavelengths are shorter and therefore they get trapped in the uppermost layers of the skin and that's what causes the burning that you can actually feel. So when you are purchasing a sunblock, absolutely broad spectrum, full spectrum, any of anything that sounds like that is going to be important because that means it will protect against both UVB that you can feel and have a sensation to, and then UVA that you cannot. Waterproof. That is another thing that has gone by the wayside in the last 10 years or so. There are no, there's no such thing as a waterproof sunblock. They are now called water resistant. In order for them to be called water resistant, they must be able to be water resistant for 40 minutes under running water or longer. So a lot of times you will see water resistant. And in some cases, in fact, I'm looking at a sunblock that's on my shelf right now. It says water resistant up to 80 minutes. So different sunblocks provide a different level of water resistance, but nobody is waterproof. And the next big topic, SPF numbers. This is one that I get questions about all the time. Well, I can't use this SPF 15 because it's not enough, or I need an SPF 75, or I need an SPF 100. So again, as the FDA made some adjustments about 10 years ago, one of the things that went were those really high number SPFs. So sun protection factor, SPF, what it intrinsically means is it's telling you how long you can go in the sun before your skin is reddened. So remember we talked about UVB earlier, the UV burn. It's telling you if you can go out in the sun for 10 minutes before you start to show that redness from the UVB. If it's an SPF 30, it will give you 30 times that 10 minutes. If it's an SPF 50, it's 50 times. Now, the reason this has become such a funky, convoluted topic is that the differences in the SPFs don't necessarily give you that full longevity. The reason why you can't buy an SPF 120 anymore is because by nature, the sunblock would rub off, sweat off, or become ineffective, as I mentioned earlier with how the chemical sunblocks work, before you would ever get 100 times your 10 minutes in the sun. So those numbers don't have as much weight as I think the market would like you to think. They are good for reviewing as a comparison. So if you're looking at two different sunblocks and you see an SPF 15 and an SPF 30, and they're both mineral blocks, and otherwise you can see that there's not much difference, 
go for the SPF 30, knowing that SPF 15 protects your skin from about 93% of the UVB rays. And SPF 30 protects your skin about 97% from a UVB rays. And listen to this, the difference between a SPF 30 and an SPF 50 is 1% coverage. So an SPF 30 protects you from 97% of UVB rays when you apply it properly. And SPF 50 is 98%. So getting an SPF 70 isn't going to give you much more protection from a UVB and it doesn't necessarily last longer. So it's really just a marketing ploy to get you to think that you need to buy something that has a bigger number. I wear an SPF 40 on a regular basis on my face. SPF 30, I think, is absolutely fine. SPF 15 is pretty good. Um, most of the time when I wore an SPF 15, I would always layer on top another powder or layer with another SPF, and then I would feel a little bit more confidence there. And the last piece I wanted to touch on about which different types of sunblock are out there, you've obviously been exposed at some point to cream SPFs. There's also spray SPFs and powder SPFs. So you'll see a lot of mineral sunblocks come in a powder. They sometimes have a binder that is included with them so that they help bind to the skin. Sometimes they don't. Um, those are another option and we can touch on that a little bit later. In general, spray SPFs tend to get really poor ratings in terms of coverage and how well they last on the skin and how they are applied. So I think spray sunblocks can be fantastic. There needs to be a little bit more thought that goes into applying them to make sure you are actually getting a full coverage and that you're ultimately just rubbing it in. So really it's a spray <laughs> that turns into a cream that you have to rub in. And then the creams are pretty self-explanatory. You want to make sure you rub in enough. That's one thing I, I see is that people don't tend to use enough. And this is a good time to talk about cost analysis for sunblock. A lot of times I hear people say, oh, well, I'm not going outside today, so I'm not going to wear sunblock. All right, let's just look at this. The average cost of Mohs surgery is in the thousands. It depends on the area and all that stuff, but thousands of dollars. Even if you get the most expensive sunblock and you wear it every single day, you're never going to make it up to that thousands of dollars worth of procedure time and money and taking time off work and then having a hole possibly in your face for a while as your skin heals or they have to graft from some other area. It's so much less of a mental and financial time burden. Just wear the sunblock. It doesn't matter if you don't think you're going outside. Just put it on every day. My recommendation is put it on naked. Just put your sunblock on naked. Get out of the shower. Put all your serums and moisturizers on that you find appropriate if you do that. And then put your sunblock on. And then put your clothes on. And it doesn't matter what time of year it is. You really should be wearing sunblock on any areas that could be potentially exposed. Even if you go out wearing a sweater, you might come home not wearing that sweater. Just put it on. It's a, it's a cheap hack. It's not just a cheap hack for all of those skin cancer concerns. It's also a cheap hack against all of the things I do to help reverse people's sun exposure with lasers. So IPL is not a comfortable treatment. You can ask anybody who's gone through IPL. It's uncomfortable. It works. It's fantastically effective at getting rid of pigmentation, 
But if you can avoid getting that, so be it. Do it. Like I said, it's a really cheap fix. You're talking about 40 bucks every three to six months for face sunblock. And I use a different sunblock for my body. And so it's a little bit thicker, something that I wouldn't necessarily love for my face. It doesn't have as many active ingredients because I don't need it. I don't need that type of active ingredient for my body. But I do use for my face, neck, back of my neck, decollete, chest area. I use a very robust sunblock and cost me 44 bucks. And I probably replace it every three to six months. My range is probably closer to four to five. Um, and my body sunblock, I blow through because all of the kids use it at home. I um, order a lot of these things uh, in packs of 12. And then I just have them sit around and we use them pretty quickly. And it's and it's always there and it's always on hand. I have one in every place you can look my backpack, my purse, my car. Travis has one in his car. The kids have them each in their backpacks. I just buy them in, in big old sets of 12. And the other thing that's nice about carrying and not worrying about spilling is pow those powder SPFs, the full mineral powder SPFs are awesome to keep in the car. You don't have to worry about it overheating and um, exploding in the car. That's not cool. Or in your purse, your carry-on. Powders are awesome. So I highly recommend those guys for gym bags and cars and kids' backpacks. They're great. You have to be mindful about how you apply them. And a lot of times, any of the companies, there's a, a number of big companies that sell them. Um, Color Science is one that I've, I've used for years. Color Science will have explanations on how to apply them on their website. Okay, so we've talked about where to apply, when to apply, do it naked. When you go to reapply... The areas that are exposed to the sun will need some reapplication. I did a post not too long ago on what it looked like when my, I applied my sun protection at 8 in the morning and then 12.30 p.m., and I did it under a skin scope. So you could see when I entered the skin scope that some of my sunblock had already worn off, and by the time I went to apply the new sunblock, it gave a really nice even coverage. And that coverage would then protect me for a number of hours before I sweat it off, rubbed it off. Um, so one of the easiest ways to reapply is that powder I mentioned. Those uh, SPF powders, the full mineral powders, are awesome. Because a lot of times, especially coming from somebody who either has had oily skin or acneic skin, and just skins in general, don't want... If you're out and you're playing tennis and you're sweating, adding a cream sunblock over sweaty skin is just yucky. I just recommend that you carry a powder SPF. You can carry the cream if you if it doesn't creep you out to apply a cream over sweaty skin, um, or you can blot your skin a little bit and then apply it, as long as it doesn't hinder you from reapplying. If you know you will reapply a cream, use the cream. If you know you'll reapply more readily if you have a powder because it's so easy to just brush it right on, do the powder. I have a lot of golf patients or um, tennis patients who will use that, just throw it in their bag and then reapply. And the big areas are hands and for sure nose. The cool thing with the powder is you, if you have a part in your hair, you can even get that part in your hair. So reapplying the general 
thumb is every two hours. And I think that's a pretty good, pretty good rule. The other areas that people forget for reapplying or even applying in the first place is ears and back of neck. For some reason, everybody forgets that. That hairline right at the top of your scalp, areas that get, that get um, quite a bit of sun, uh, your decollete, your chest area is a big one. And, um, and feet. Those are areas that tend to be more burnt when, when patients come in and say, oops, I had a little bit too much sun. All right. So now that brings us to who should be wearing sunblock. The general advisement is that infants under the age of six months should not be wearing sunblock. And the actual statement from the FDA on the website, the FDA, FDA recommends that children under six months stay in the shade and are covered by clothing and are not using sun protection because they are more susceptible to the side effects. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I, I don't see that level of irritation from mineral blocks. So when my baby was born, you better believe whenever she was out, if she had exposed skin, she was wearing a mineral sunblock. I would not put a chemical sunblock on a baby, and I even recommend most of my patients don't put a chemical sunblock on. So for infants, I wholly support that they can be in the shade and they can be covered up by clothing. I think that's a great idea. However, if there is some exposure, there's some sun exposure, I have found from my personal experience and what I would do with my own baby is put mineral block on them. And I should see if I can dig up. I had a video of Macy when she was maybe a year or 18 months old putting on her little powder sunblock. Um, of course, she got all of the important areas, lips and the palms of her hands. <laughs> and those are, those, are, those are the priority when you are 18 months old. And then for children, you know, this is an interesting one because marketing is just unbelievable. Because most people feel like they need a specific type of special sunblock for their kid. And a lot of these quote-unquote special sunblocks are these really nasty chemical-laden sunblocks with nasty ingredients inside. The inactive ingredients are gross. The actual chemical sunblocks are gross. But they say kid on them, and so people just eat it up. And I remember I actually have a friend who probably five, seven years ago, we were talking about this and she was like, huh, I never even considered that I should review the ingredients of what goes on to my kid. And I think a lot of people now are, are more cognizant about the ingredients that are in products that they put on their children. But I think part of that is not necessarily she wasn't paying attention as a mother, but we would just always been marketed that certain sunblocks are designed for kids. So don't fall into the marketing trap. All sunblocks are designed for kids. Um, there are some that are maybe a little bit more robust that would be better, but it doesn't have to say kid on it. So if you are using a kin sunblock, just look at the ingredients. See what kind of ingredients. What are the active ingredients? Are they mineral or are they chemical? And what are the inactive ingredients? Because a lot of times those kid ones are just nonsense. So take a look. And my rule of thumb is if I use it on my body, then I can also use it on my kid's body. And then obviously adults, all adults, all people are great for wearing sunblock. And a couple more things I wanted to touch on. Um, people say a lot, I don't like my sunblock because I don't like that it drips into my eyes, or I don't like the smell, or I don't like the heaviness. A lot of those particular reactions to sunblock come from chemical blocks. There are mineral blocks for sure that will leak into your eye. Um, but for the most part, the majority of those complaints come from a chemical block. So 
try a mineral block if you are running into those. And if the mineral block still does it, then there's other things to look at. I have some really oily patients and no matter what type of sunblock they use, it always just leaks into their eyes. And I have a trick actually for that. I have a UV stick that has a thicker consistency to it and you can use that around the eyes and then anything else uh, farther away from the eyes. There are some people who get, um, I, say, I say some people, this is actually me, I will get redness, itching. Um, my I have a family member who will cough if he uses any kind of chemical sunblock. And then a big part of the population gets some type of dermatitis or rashes as a side effect. One of the big things that I read about 10 years ago when we made when the FDA made all of these changes to sun protection and how it needed to be marketed was that a lot of the chemical ingredients were found to be hormone disruptive and toxic to the body. And I'm actually reading a book right now that talks about why certain hormones aren't able to penetrate the cell walls and it is in relation to toxins. And so that kind of clicked for me because I've heard this for so many years. Um, I won't go into the depth of explaining that because that's not my area of expertise. What I do know is that there are a lot of reports out there about how certain sunblocks from the chemical arena can be listed as hormone disruptive. Something absolutely to watch for. And that's true at any age. Prepubescent, that's true, for, especially for babies. I would never use that on a baby. Um, and then uh, moving forward, you know, as you are looking at fertility or as you're looking at perimenopause and menopause, which is what I'm staring down the barrel of. Those particular areas, um, in none of those cases do you want something that's hormone disruptive. And some of these ingredients can also be environmentally unfriendly. And you'll see that Hawaii is one of the states that has pulled the plug on some chemical sun protections. So you're not allowed to wear certain sunblocks when you go to Hawaii and swim because it can affect their reef. And we're seeing this decade over decade, even year over year. There's other um, contributing factors as well, but sunblock has been linked to those particular negative effects on the environment. Okay, so we touched on why, um, the what, where, and reapplying, and how that looks, who should be using sunblock. Um, the last thing I wanted to kind of touch on was, can I use an expired sunblock? Because I hear that a ton. Um, and I go back to the cost analysis that I touched on earlier. Why? So first off, if you have a sunblock and you don't love it, then maybe either return it and get another one. And so therefore it won't go expired. And if you have a sunblock from last year because you didn't wear it in the wintertime, then you're just being silly and you should start wearing your sunblock all year round. The sun can still see you through the clouds. It's real clever that way. Um, so if you are starting to have expired sunblock, I would chuck it most of the time with products. I say, oh, use it on an area that you don't care about as much. But in this particular case, I care about all parts of your body to be protected from the sun. So I would just chuck it. You've got expired sunblock, chuck it, get a new one. It's a, it's a cheap fix and it, then you don't have to guess and it's great. And then if you aren't loving your sunblock, try other ones. There are so many out there. I use Elta MD. I like their inactive ingredients as well as their active ingredients. I love what it does for the skin. I use UV Pure for my body. As I mentioned earlier, I have UV Stick. UV Stick's a good one for reapplying. I use 
UV restore for my face, my neck, ears, the back of my neck, my decollete. And then for reapplying, I use Color Science. I've also used the Jane Iredell Powder Mineral Sunblock. There's a, so many out there. Just dive in and try them. Most companies will allow you to return if you think it's totally heinous. There's a bunch of stuff online, and then you can also go in and try some of this stuff. Try it for a week, and if you don't love it, find something else. There's too many things out there to not fall in love with your sunblock, and if you fall in love with your sunblock, you'll use it, and oh my gosh, the things that sunblock can do. I mean, I don't wear makeup anymore. I've worked very hard on my skin to get to the point where I don't have to wear makeup, and I use a tinted moisturizer, the UV Restore Tinted. It's a tinted SPF, and it's glorious. It's an SPF 40. It has ginger root and tetrahexadecal. It has those two ingredients that actually help to support my other skincare. So they're they're wonderful. Now, once you find the sunblock that you just absolutely love for your face, you can also find one for your body. It doesn't have to be the same type of wonderful ingredients. Um, like I said, I use UV Pure, which is not as robust. It's a little bit of a bigger bottle. And it's great at staying on the skin. But absolutely, get your whole body. Another trick for helping to support your sunblock so you don't have to reapply as often, UPF clothing, Universal Protection Factor clothing. Um, I have UPF gloves. Uh, they're actually fishermen's gloves because I use them to drive so that my hands aren't sitting in exposure. I don't care how cool you are. You are not going to reapply sunblock every time you wash your hands. Um, so I wear UPF gloves. I wear hats. And if you have a good antioxidant, like a vitamin C, if you have a good one that you're wearing every day, it is not a sun protection, but it will absolutely reinforce the benefits that your sun protection is giving you. And so it can help you protect your skin cells from oxidants, hence the name antioxidant. It will protect from oxidants, including sun exposure during the day. So those are things that will kind of help you. And maybe that means you don't have to wear as much sunblock, but I would just say find a sunblock that you fall in love with and wear it to death. Just invest in sunblock. Just buy so much of it that you're going to buy stock in that. And it will offset so many procedures that you need in the future. And I know this because I do those procedures on people all day long. And the, the people who come in who have worn their sunblock, oh my gosh, what a difference. What a difference their skin shows versus people who have just totally ignored sunblock. Now, don't get me wrong. I think being outside is one of the best things for you. And so I'm never going to poo-poo on that. But being outside, wearing UPF clothing and hats and driving gloves, even if it really makes it look like you're never going to get laid again, those are things that will really help to reinforce how well your skin and your body age and protect itself from sun exposure and all those fun toxins. So let me give a quick little anecdote. I have a lovely, lovely patient who was going to brunch with her girlfriends and the hostess said, we have a wait, but we will sit you inside or outside, which would you like? And the girls spoke amongst themselves and they chose outside. Now, during that waiting period, my sweet patient <laughs> realized that she did not have ample sun protection on to sit outside in the sun while she ate her brunch. So she engaged all of her female friends and they went to the nearest CVS and they scoured all the shelves for a mineral sunblock that would live up to the, the high standards that she has for sunblock. They went through all of the ingredient decks to make sure that it would be something that was appropriate for her. And they finally chose 
a particular sunblock and they did it. They checked out. She got her sunblock. She put it on. They got back and then they decided they were going to eat inside. (laughs) I love that patient so much. Um, And then one of the skin tips. So, So I touched on powder sunblocks. My best hack for those of us who are either out running or you're out on a lake all day or you know you need some more robust sun protection, put your cream on all over the parts of your body and then apply a powder over top. It seals in and locks really well and it's an added layer of protection that tends to get you more longevity. Even though I don't fully subscribe to that idea that an SPF 30 is going to give you 30 times the protection as we talked earlier, I still do really think that that second layer, that powder that helps to seal everything in will work really, really well for helping you to get to that point. So don't rely on those numbers too, too much. But absolutely, if you want to wear a powder over a cream, you will get longer longevity. And then to reapply, you can reapply with the powder and you can keep it everywhere. So just throw it anywhere and everywhere. So I think we have thoroughly dove into sun protection. My hope is that I unraveled a couple different pieces about the marketing that might be out of whack or debunking the idea that all sunblock has to be gross. It shouldn't be gross. It should be fun. You should love it. There's some out there that sparkled. I did find one that sparkled, but it had chemical blocks in it, so I didn't get that. But at some point, they'll they'll make a sparkly one that has mineral that I will find, and, I, and I'll look like a vampire, and I'll just love it. So find a sunblock that you like, and I hope this gives you some inspiration to find a wonderful sunblock. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If this is something you think would help anybody else that you know, please share. Um, you're welcome to subscribe, and you'll get little ding and pings whenever I create another podcast. And I truly appreciate your listening. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. 